Empire. Deal back to Hachimura. Um, first off, happy Thanksgiving, everybody. It was more just shocking to hear from him and understanding that he gets the most assists from me and the most spoon-fed baskets ever. You know, the culture is actually damn good. To sit up there and to say you don't have a culture problem in the nation's capital, everything about the organization points to a culture issue. One guy took his in another guy's shoe. I'm a little pissed off about it, but I know how I am. I was kind of expecting it. It's disrespectful. It was like Eric Killmonger going for total domination. What's up, guys? We're not gonna be fucking sunk this year! We're the Stanley Cup champions! This podcast is all over social media, so follow us on Twitter at Beltway Bro Pod, Instagram at Beltway underscore sports underscore bros underscore podcast. Also, the Facebook group, just search Beltway Sports Bros Podcast. And you can also find us at BeltwaySportsBros.com. There's a podcast player right on the front page. If someone you know doesn't want to or know how to download a podcast app or even knows what a podcast is, just tell them to go to the website and hit play. Simple as that. Thank you for joining us today. We are the Beltway Sports Bros. I'm Matt Vazana, and as always, my brother, Noel. Sorry, uh, we didn't have other shows this week, but we took a little hiatus due to the bye week and election day and all that kind of stuff, you know? Didn't think anybody would actually listen to us, so... You know, got a little R&R. Right. You know, hey, man, the NFL gets days off. Why can't we? No days off, but fuck it, we are. So, (laughs) sorry, guys. And I wanted to watch Super Tuesday, which I thought was going to end on Tuesday, but... Yeah, right. Please. It's freaking uh, telethon over here. I know, man. Jerry's kids. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Something we wanted to mention is that uh, we're going to be cutting this show down to two days a week. Noel and I have made an executive decision on that. Starting next week, we'll be on Tuesdays and Fridays instead of Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays. One thing you can be happy about, though, is that we're going to try to make the show a little bit longer to kind of compensate for that. But thought you guys would like to know, so there you go. Could be good and bad. Yeah. Jeez, like, can barely deal with these guys for 30 minutes, <laughs> let alone whatever the hell they're going to do. Uh, three hour shows. That's what yeah. We're doing. Oh yeah, we're gonna be like the uh, the election. Yeah, we'll never end. <laughs> but really appreciate the support as always. But three days a week is is going to put us in an early grave. So we're uh, we're doing two. So hopefully you guys like it. Anyway, later on in the show we're gonna have the athletics Ben Standing to talk all things Washington football. But first, let's start with a preview of the Week Nine NFC's matchup with the New York Giants at the Washington Football Team. Coming off their bye, your 2-5 and five Washington will go up against the 1-7 Giants at FedEx Field. The Giants played the Bucks last week on Monday Night Football, lost a heartbreaker, and Washington annihilated the Cowboys prior to their bye week. So this week's game will be on Fox at 1 p.m., and Washington is actually favored by 2.5 this week, Noel. What do you think about that? This is the first time this, this year, I think, right? Uh, Has to yeah, be. Yeah, I, I mean, th- this would be the only game that they would be favored, if any at all. It's not even close. I mean, yeah, they've not been favored. <laughs> no. Not even. <laughs> no I mean, reason. They, no reason. But um, were they, hold on. Were they favored against the, the Cowboys? I think they were, actually. Regardless, they're supposed to lose all their games. So <laughs> this, is, this is exciting for us. Anyway, uh, last time these two teams played was October 18th. Pretty recent, and Washington lost on that horrendous two-point conversion attempt, as you all remember. So let's go over the updated injury report. As of Thursday, for Washington, 
Tackle Jerron Christian and wide receiver Dontrell Inman did not practice. Doesn't look good that they're going to play this week. Some good news, though. Slot receiver Steven Sims Jr. was taken off of IR and has been practicing, but we're not really sure if he's going to play this week, next week, whenever. But I think they have like 25 days or something to make a decision. And then uh, Montez Sweat was a full go after suffering a concussion against Dallas. So looks like he's good to go. As for the Giants, cornerback Ryan Lewis didn't practice all week. He looks to be out. Also something to watch. Running back Devontae Freeman has been out a couple of weeks. He's been fighting an ankle injury. Apparently has a chance to play this week. So we shall see. All right. So let's start with the Washington offense versus the Giants defense. Go ahead, Noel. Do your thing. All right. First off, huge game. Can go three and one in the division. Um, Same thing that we said against Giants the first time against Dallas can kind of write their own ticket in the division if they continue to win these. If these are the only games that Washington wins, that's really in this shitty division all that matters. So I think that this is an enormous game for them. And I think primarily what needs to happen is what killed him in the first game is Kyle Allen mistakes, right? The fumble, the interception, uh, he fought back from it, which was great. Like we said, with the two-point conversion bullshit. But if he can limit his mistakes, I think that he was really still getting his bearings in the Giants game. He's looked a lot better since, especially in the Dallas game, which anybody can find an identity against them. But I think he looked good in that game as well. So um, that's going to be one of the primary issues that they have to make sure that does not happen is don't shoot yourself in the foot and keep away from the turnovers because I think they're a better team than the Giants are. Yeah. Washington, last time they played him, it was only a couple weeks ago, beat the Giants in really every meaningful statistical category. Uh, They should have won pretty easily if you just looked at the stats. Just look at the time of possession. Uh, They beat him 33.5 to 26.5. Total yards, 337 to 240. First downs, they had 24. Total plays. I mean, you should never lose when you have 69 to 46 total plays. It's absurd. Well, in their defense, I mean, one of them, one of the Giants' possessions was a return on a fumble. No, so no, absolutely. But I'm saying, but they, no, I get what you're saying, though. They dominated on first downs. They, the time possession was there. Yeah, of course, that's going to skew everything, right? When you when you have a a fumble for a touchdown, but they still were doing what they needed to do. Absolutely. Um, and you know, it was Kyle Allen. Of course, he came back and made that great throw, but the damage was already done because you know. Yeah, had no intention of winning that game. Washington did everything in their power on the offensive side to allow the Giants to be in that game. And the Giants defense, especially in the front line, is a decent front. And we talked about this the first time we said this game. This game is going to be won on the front seven, right? You're going to have to try to establish a running game. Washington had, you know, 22 attempts, I think, for 70 yards in the first game. There was a a somewhat valid attempt made, but I think they really have to pound the rock. Take what they did against Dallas. They're not going to have the same success that they did, I don't believe. But you you have (laughs) to establish some type of identity in the game and say, this is what we're going to do. We are going to beat you in this category in this particular game. And if it doesn't work, then you move on. But don't just bail on it with some bullshit attempt on the first, second drive and then say, oh, oh well, I, sorry, Gibson, you can take a seat. Well, I respectfully disagree, Noel, because I always say the same thing. Run the ball, throw deep, right? This time I'm saying something completely different. I think nobody can run on the Giants' defense. They're averaging 3.7 yards a carry. They're fourth in the league. 
giving up 102 a game, right? Right. This is not Washington's... I mean, yeah, whatever Antonio Gibson did last week means nothing in this game. No, it's not their forte. I'll, I'll no. acknowledge that. So Kyle Allen should be more comfortable. As you mentioned, you know, he's getting his feet wet. This is going to be on him because, yeah, they still need to establish some kind of a run, but they would have won that game if he didn't have the fumble. And that's all he really needs to do. Do we just need a repeat of last time? Just don't fuck up. And, and you should be okay. I agree. Um, they're susceptible to the pass. They can rush the passer pretty well. The Giants can. Uh, I think they got like 20 sacks in the season. They're up there. No, their uh, D-backs are garbage. There's no doubt about it. If you can contain their front seven, then you can make you can do some damage down the field. There's no doubt about it. What I'm saying is, is that their front seven also can get to the quarterback almost just as well as Washington can. So if you're going to sit here and start flinging the ball around with Kyle Allen, you will see some turnovers, whether it be him him seeing him fumble the ball or interceptions again. I'm not saying it's going to be successful, but what I'm saying is is just to keep them on their toes. That's all I'm getting at. I'm not thinking that Gibson is going to go out and run for another 100 yards. I'm not having delusions of grandeur here. I'm just saying this team can pressure the quarterback, and Kyle Allen has shown – in plenty of games, whether it be with Carolina or with Washington, that he cannot handle pressure. He just can't. He can move out of it sometimes, and he can make a good play out of it. But if it's consistent pressure on him, he has major issues. And that's what I'm saying. I just think they need to do what they did last time. They ran the ball. They they ran enough to keep them honest. I'm not saying to go back there and throw 60 times a game. You know, that's not at all what I'm saying, because Kyle Allen can't do that. He doesn't have that. He's not Aaron Rodgers. So he does need the run game to assist him, but I don't think that they need to pound it into a brick wall over and over again because I wouldn't say Washington has an advantage over anybody when it comes to throwing the ball, but at least you know the Giants' defense is susceptible to the pass. So you got to take advantage of that and not beat your head against the wall unnecessarily just to say you ran the ball. This time, Norv Jr., do what you got to (laughs) do. Right. Lastly, on the offense, an interesting matchup is McLaurin-Bradbury. That was a good matchup last time. I think McLaurin had seven catches for 70 yards or something like that, and that was a lot of it was at the tail end. He needs to be consistently involved in the game, and they need to move him around because Bradbury's going to be shadowing him, and really he's their only, obviously, their best offensive weapon. Logan Thomas has to be more involved. I think they're better when he's involved in the game. I feel like the offense is definitely more consistent when he's involved. They have to continue that course. And then Gibson out of the backfield on passes and things like that, or McKissick, or whoever it is. Just get it to those guys that you're usually – because right now we don't know where Sims is at. It would be nice to have him back, though. It would be nice to have him back. But even if he is, I just don't see him being on the field a ton, and they're not going to start throwing him freaking screens with three guys barreling down on him and shit when the guy has barely played. I just don't see that happening. So you've got the usual three that are going to be the consistent offensive weapons, and you've got to use them and find their vulnerabilities in that shitty defensive backfield. Well – the real Sims uh, showed up last time. Maybe he's maybe he'll be the hero again <laughs> right. this game. But, <laughs> oh yeah, my boy, man. Yeah. Hey, hey, he's found his place. He's found yeah. a little place. I mean, he's a receiver with size. They don't have a ton of those, man. They really don't. And shit, are you kidding me? Why can't he play? Why not? Well, I mean, he's going to have to because yeah. Well, they do everything. It seems like Washington does everything in their, everything in their power to not have him play. They're like, oh, well, hey, hey, yeah. Matt. <laughs> you look like you can still run a little bit. Yeah, okay, I'm little sorry, speed. buddy. Back to the practice squad. 
<laughs> well, Dontrell Inman's out probably. Yeah, so yeah. it's, I mean, and if Sims is out. It's poor Cam. Last man on the totem pole just by proxy, you know? All right, let's move on to the Washington defense versus New York offense. So I'll start with this one. To win this game, the Washington defense needs to do what they did last time. If they just had an exact replica of the last game, I'd be totally fine with that. They held the Giants 240 yards. Daniel Jones threw for 108 yards. Alex yep. Smith-esque. Rush the shit out of Jones. Make him make mistakes. Do not let the run game going this time. Because in the fourth quarter, they started running a little bit. The Giants did. And outside of just the fumble recovery for a touchdown, you could see by like halfway through the third to the fourth that the Washington defense was getting tired. And they had no excuse to get tired. They weren't on the field much. We always use that excuse, oh, they're exhausted in the third and fourth quarter. They had no reason to be. And they should not have given up. They gave up 132 yards in the last game. That's inexcusable, you know? So that's one thing. But even even so, Washington should have won that game pretty easily with everything that we're talking about. So if the defense just did what they did last time, I mean, maybe another sack or two, because I think they only sacked Daniel Jones like twice last Once. time. Yeah, Once. so... Oh, they hurried him sometimes. I mean, he scampered a few times and got away. He's a tough bring down. Mm-hmm. I mean, he can get away every once in a while and definitely get out of trouble. There's no doubt about it. And he's got wheels. So should have had I, an 80-yard touchdown or 90 right. yards or whatever in that one game. <laughs> the, and then the, he tripped the, over the, uh, the, the field monster. Tri- <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I think they played a very good game. But you're right. They have to stop the rush a little bit. They didn't get to Daniel Jones as much as they should because they dinked and dunked. I mean, mm-hmm. let's be real. And they, and they were throwing little short shit. But still, you have to get to him. And if he's going to do that short shit, you have to get him in the front. Payne and the Allens of the world have to pressure the middle of the pocket. And I think at some points they were really worried about him running the ball. And I think they were apprehensive about putting too much pressure on him. But I say this time, the way he's been shaking in his boots back there lately, get him on his ass. Because I really believe what concerning me about this is I think they found things in the Tampa game. They mm-hmm. have speed on that offense. Yeah, they've got Slayton. He just came back on the he last just came, game. Right? He just yeah, came was, back on the last game, addition. and he was an immense difference in the game. Yeah, okay, immense. They've got Shepard, who just came back again. Ingram is a beast, the tight end. They've got weapons on that offense, and I think that this team, if you allow Daniel Jones, and just like other quarterbacks, of course, if you allow him to get comfortable and they speed up their offense like they did against Tampa, and they get into tempo, they can do some damage. There's no doubt about it. They have some fast receivers. And yes, on paper, we're yards against the pass. <laughs> we're good and all that. To me, that's a little bit fool's gold, everyone. Okay, it's the front that is creating that. At the end of the day, we're still starting Everett at a safety position. We have Curl at the freaking other safety. It's not like we're gangbusters on D-backs. Yeah. So if we're going to have problems with receivers with speed and a quality tight end. If we're not putting Jones on his ass. But Everett has been a huge upgrade over Apke. Just those two games. Absolutely. No, I agree. No doubt. No doubt. But I mean, I guess my mother-in-law would probably be (laughs) upgrade over (laughs) Right. I mean, (laughs) shit. Race to the bottom, man. Uh, No, but he has been good. And um, Cameron Curl does concern me, as I said in my single show the other day, or whatever you want to call that. Quality show, by the way, man. Quality show. Good takes. Thanks. Thanks on the takes. <laughs> no, but I mean, the Eric Reitz thing still pisses me off, but we'll talk to old Ben Standing about that one. But uh, yeah, yeah, watching that Bucks game was a little worrisome to me. I'm not going to lie. They showed up at that game and they 
showed that they're not a shitty team. And I think the Bucks are probably top three teams in the league right now, and they, they gave it to them. They should have won that game. No, and their defensive front is no slouch. Absolutely We're not. We're not talking about it. Everybody thinks Brady and, and that crew on the other side of the ball and Evans and, and that crew on the, on the offensive side of the ball. That defense is good, especially the front seven. And they were giving Daniel Jones protection at times, enough to make plays. Like I said, they've got a ton of speed. They were slashing guys around. They had Tampa on their toes. Now, sunshine's on a dog's ass some days, just like it may have when Washington beat the shit out of a shitty Dallas team. (laughs) So we'll see. At the end of the day, this is two below-average football teams, maybe even below-below-average, that are going to be battling it out. But at the end of the day... Washington has a shitload to play for, miraculously enough. They do. And they've got to come out like they're playing for something to play for. And that's the bottom line of this whole thing. The Giants are not a good football team. If they lose to the Giants and get swept by the Giants this year, they can pack it in. Wouldn't surprise me, though. No, absolutely not. But let's get out of this facade of this playoff bullshit because we're in a shitty division. If you lose to the Giants, who are one of the worst football teams in the league twice (laughs) and you're two and two in a division that is in complete and utter disarray the only team that may show some remnants of life is the eagles you've got serious problems and we need to stop this shit about there's still a mathematical chance i'm so sick of mathematical chances with washington how many times have you and i matt sat down like in week in week 14 we're like well if this team loses to that team and Washington wins the last three (laughs) you know we're like start doing analytics and shit like Moneyball, yeah you know about how Washington can still mathematically make it and they've got like a 0.8 percent chance of making it but there's still a chance yeah it's sad when we get to that point but hey I just hope they have something to play for in late November. That would be nice, and this game would go a long way to do that. No, yeah. It'd be massive if they won this game, and leads us to our predictions, I think. You want to get to those? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, You want to go first? Sure, why not? Okay. I'm worried about the game. I am. But I think that they found a routine after that Dallas game. I think the bye, I think byes are overrated as far as preparation for games, especially when it comes to Washington. I'm hoping that it helped. They're playing a team that really doesn't have doesn't have anything to play for in a shitty division that is playing more so for pride. Washington is actually playing for something and they need like I said they need to show that. And I think they are. But I still think it's going to be close. I think Washington's going to win 27 to 20. All right. So you you mentioned this before about the bye. Washington's going to be the fresher team. You're right. I don't think that preparation has a lot to do with it but these teams know each other they played each other three weeks ago you know how much (laughs) you know you got plenty of film on each other in reality that's not any kind of an advantage for the for Washington so the Giants know what they're working with and the Giants honestly kind of got Washington here if you will they got screwed having to play a, a team coming off a bye and they had to play on Monday night football you know that extra day could pay off for them as well I think this year amazingly and I think you know has to do with the coaching Washington has been able to take advantage of teams' weaknesses. I mean, I know they've only won two games, but both times they've done it. So I think they're going to do it again. I don't think it's going to be close this time. I think Washington wins 24-10. to 10. Wow. Going to keep Giants down to 10 points, huh? Number one passing defense in the league, Noel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, 
I hope we'll find out. Yeah. Hey, states started out as blowouts and became close, so you never know what could happen these days. <laughs> you never know. All right, so we're going to go next to the Athletics' Ben Standing. He's standing by, if you will. So uh, <laughs> let's go to him. All right, so let's bring in Ben Standing from The Athletic. Uh, you can also follow Ben at Ben Standing on Twitter. And also, Ben is back doing podcasts. His great return there, because I know you were doing it before. And it's called Standing Room Only. That's S-T-A-N-D-I-G, like his last name. You've had some huge guests in there already, Ben. What, Jason Wright, Chris Long, Kevin Sheehan, Julie Donaldson you had on the last one. How's it going over there? Uh, well, first, thanks for having me back. Um, yeah, it's going. I, I I really do like the podcast. Uh, talking's more fun than writing. Um, <laughs> I was thinking about this earlier. Like one of the issues with writing is it's very isolating. You, you're doing it by yourself, and uh, you're in your own head, and that's a dangerous place for me to be in a lot. But when you're talking, obviously, unless you're talking to yourself, which also happens in these parts, um, yeah, you know, you you're sharing you know you're, you're talking with another person and that's just a fun exchange especially you know in this day and age at least for me where i'm not, talk, I'm not seeing that many people and talking to that many people so um I, i'm enjoying it as much from that end and obviously yeah trying to uh to, to try to you know talk to the people that i find interesting and then hopefully obviously that translates to the people that are listening it's a great podcast it really is and um i find it very entertaining Noel just listened to the last one a little, little too yeah. good you're trying to yeah. push us out man <laughs> yeah especially <laughs> you're not just doing washington football team stuff you're doing uh, wizards and i know you said you're gonna do some caps and stuff like that so thanks for taking our model we appreciate that <laughs> well <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess, you know, I, I've covered a lot of sports in town and look, I mean, yeah. the, the beat I'm on is the Washington football team, but there's a lot of those podcasts around. And if I just did that, then it just feels like, well, I'm, I'm the same as everybody else. So let me try to do something at least a little bit different and, and use the, right. uh, you know, the assets I have. And that includes, you know, knowing people in different sports. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, it's great. So we're, we're big fans, but, um, you came on a little bit late because you were waiting for the players. Um, any breaking news that we should know about? You want to drop on the old Beltway Sports Rose podcast here? <laughs> no, it was uh, <laughs> it was Chase Young. Was uh, he had meetings? We we had most everybody else around like one forty five, two thirty, somewhere in that range. Uh, he had to wait, and obviously, you know, you got to talk to him. Uh, most notable thing, I guess, he was asked. I, I don't know. I forget what the question was, but basically, he said that his his mother graded his first uh, half of the season here and gave him a C plus. And when asked why, why <laughs> that seemed a little low, what's up with that? He's like, well, I'm not leading the league in sacks. So uh, there you go. Uh, fair. So mom is, mom is rough. <laughs> hey man, you got to give those expectations. Kick that carrot out there. Yeah. absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> so wanted to talk about the Washington game. Obviously they're playing the giants on Sunday. Um, giants surprisingly look pretty good against the bucks on Monday. Should we be concerned about this? You think that the Giants have a real shot? I mean, obviously anybody does against this team, against Washington, but is there something we should be concerned about going into this? Have they figured it out? <laughs> well, you know, I think there's a difference between competing and winning. I think we're seeing that with this team here. I mean, for the most part this season, Washington has been competitive. They just haven't been able to pull off wins or, you know, or in some cases, you know, stay just close enough to even have a chance in the end. I think the Giants have been the same way. I mean, I know their record stinks. Obviously, so does Washington's. Um, I, I I don't always just look at the record. I try to look and see, like, what, um, you know, how teams are performing. It's, it's sort of like with Daniel Jones. I know people sort of just want to crap on him, and he does commit too many turnovers. But when I watch him play, I see positives. I, I see a guy who's a gamer, and we saw that at the end of, 
um, that, that Tampa Bay game where he drove them down the field for effectively the game time touchdown. They needed the two point conversion, didn't get it. And maybe there was a pass interference at the call that they, they got unlucky. It kind of reminded me of what Kyle Allen did in the game at New York after he had a bad turnover that, that gave the Giants six points, drove Washington right down the field. Obviously, the for the game time touchdown, <laughs> we know what happened there that that why it wasn't. But, um, yeah, I mean, look, I, I think the Giants are. You know, if I say they're playing well, I don't mean they're a playoff team, but, you know, they, they look like the type of team that you have to show up to play to get it done. And, and that's, you know, give them credit for that. I think Washington has been that type of team as well. So, yeah, this is definitely not a uh, – no team Washington should be – should be like some wild. They're definitely going to win this game uh, type, type situation. Offensively, what does Washington need to do better in this game versus they did the first one? I mean, defensively – Washington seemed in control of the game, at the very least, the second half of the of the first Giants game. But offensively, what does Washington need to do to produce more points and keep the defense off the field? Yeah, I mean, I think I feel like I don't have the stats in front of me, but their run game wasn't that exciting um, in in that Giants game. They were obviously significantly better against Dallas. Um, you know, going into the Dallas game, Washington Washington was dead last in the league in yards per carry. I think they're now like 28th or something like that. Um, so, look, more consistency there will help a lot. Uh, that goes for almost any team, but I think especially one where you have a quarterback in Kyle Allen who can do some good things, but if you rely on him too heavily, you know, I think that's where bad things um, will, will, will happen. So, you know, Washington, if you rank their playmakers, I would say Terry McLaurin won, then Antonio Gibson, then J.D. McKissick. And Based on that, you've got to figure out ways to get the get, get the ball in their hands. The easiest way is handoffs, running, and I think if they can do that, you know, do it effectively. Both of those guys are averaging four, over four yards a carry. If you can do that consistently, then um, you know I think you have a long way to you, you know that, that can go a long way towards helping you to get a win. And um, you know, you know, no turnovers. You know, that go, go that kind of goes without saying. I think between the two quarterbacks in this game, whichever one turns the ball over less. Might be the right. might be the guy that gets that gets the W. Well, I think at least the Dallas game they showed the ability to run. I mean, anybody can run against Dallas, but that at least might persuade them to have that identity going forward with at least attempting to run the ball. I don't think they're going to run the ball as successfully against the Giants, obviously, because their D line is pretty solid, and um, I don't know if they'll have that kind of success. But I think making that attempt is very important. I agree with that. Yeah, I mean, for 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 sure, you know, I mean, yeah, the Antonio Gibson thing is so fascinating. I mean, on the one hand, you know, he's in, he's obviously a tremendous, interesting playmaker with so much ability, but he's still learning how to play the running back position. And JD McKissick is more of a Chris Thompson back. You're not looking at him as a go-to, um, you know, first and ten between the tackles. I, I guess that's why they kind of use Peyton Barber. I mean, to me, it's less Peyton, the better based on what we've seen so far. Right. You know, this is not much has happened there. I think they try to use him. This is the last two games. They went really running back heavy the first series of the game. And I think they're trying to you have Peyton go up the middle to let the defense know, hey, we're going to we're, we're, we're going to come up here when we can and try to soften them up. But I don't know. It doesn't seem like it's doing much. But I think that's in part because Gibson isn't really that kind of a guy just yet. And I think, you know, if, if they can get a lead, I, I, I was selling somebody else earlier. I think Gibson is sort of like a momentum player. If, if you can get a lead and start to dictate to the other team what you want to do, getting him in space uh, and finding creative ways to have him get the ball will go a long way. If you're behind and you have to start, you know, the defense kind of knows what you're going to do. I think it becomes more of a J.D. McKissick show um, because Gibson is still a bit limited in certain ways. 
um, as, as he's learning the position. So, you know, getting a lead would help. But, you know, again, just figuring out ways to get those two running backs the ball, plus McLaurin and, and I guess Logan Thomas, that's what they need to do. Those are the four guys who seem to be able to make some plays. And, well, if Steven Sims comes back, that's another story. We're not there yet. But, um, you know, at least some signs of progress uh, during practice this week. My concern is that Turner, if it's not working at the very beginning, it's easy for anybody to say, oh, I'm going to run against the Cowboys because it's working. When it's not working, he seems to, you know, abandon immediately and lean on the guys that, like, for instance, Haskins, who obviously needed that run support. And, and I believe Kyle Allen does as well. I mean, do you think that him seeing what he did with Dallas, there's a possibility that he's learned something? You know, I know he's a young coordinator, but possibly, you know, sticking with something that doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to be successful at it early on. But, you know, we've seen over the years in, in football, you stick with the with the run game. Eventually, you know, you'll start to break that defensive line or front seven. Is there any chance that he's learned something from this, from watching what happened in the Cowboys game and how successful they can be doing it? Um, you know, look, obviously yeah, he's, you know, still learning his, his team, his players, you know, we talked all of course about, you know, no off season workouts, no effect, you know, very limited training camp that affects not just the players, but obviously the coordinators as well, especially a guy who is new to this team. And, you know, he's only had a handful of games um, calling plays before, but before this also, you know, look, the offense, you know, we knew this team had had a lot of questions on offense going into the year. The left side of the offensive line has been all over the place. They've been trailing by double digits most of the games in the, in the first half, most of the games this season. So, you know, it, when you do that, it becomes harder to, to run the ball. And sure, there's a ra- there's a reason to say, hey, you got to keep going. But again, they were also last in the league in yards per carry before the Dallas game. They're still pretty, pretty bad. So, you know, there, there's always room for improvement. And I just, you know, like I said, I, I just also don't think, Antonio Gibson has shown that he's like a guy that you're just going to say here, sort of take the ball and run. But, you know, he's making progress. We talked to Gibson today um, on Thursday. You know, he said he's feeling much more comfortable. I I believe he said the Giants game was maybe the first time he really started getting a better feel for, um, you know, running lanes, where he needs to go, what he's looking for. And then obviously it translated into even a, you know, a huge game against Dallas. So, you know, his progress going forward will, will be huge. And we'll certainly, if he can, you know, show that he can handle a heavy workload and, and know what he's doing that obviously make it easier for Scott Turner to stay with the run. Well, how do you anticipate this game going? Um, do you, do you anticipate them uh, getting pressure on Daniel Jones, which they did well the first game? It's going to be a trenches game. I believe like it was the first one. Do you anticipate them having success in some areas that they didn't in other games and coming out with a victory? I'll give you the honest answer. Uh, my, 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 my brain has been occupied this week, uh, by all kinds of things. Obviously there's an election going on and, uh, yeah, is there, oh yeah. Oh, I forgot about that. Yeah. Yeah. So that's day three. Yeah. So that, so that's happening. Um, um, I, you know, I've just got some other, you know, work stuff I've been, I've been working on. So the idea of like, like the Washington giants game to some degree is like sort of secondary for me. Backseated. Yeah. I understand. I'm right there with so, you. Yeah. So I, I, I was like, it's already Thursday. What the hell am I doing? I was yeah. like, I, <laughs> right. And also it's like weird because Washington didn't play a game last week. So it wasn't like, yeah. I, I'm not just out of sight, out. out of mind. Yeah. A, 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 a little bit, you know, just trying to like I said, yeah. work on other things and, you know, um, so look, obviously I uh, sort of, like I said before, I think whichever quarterback commits the fewest turnovers, I think that team yeah. probably is going to be, 
heavily favored uh, to to win, or not heavily favored, but it's going to give them a much better opportunity to win this game because those quarterbacks have been have been have been coughing it up again. I think the Giants look pretty good. I, I watched some of that Tampa Bay game, and you know they look. You know, you, t- you take. I don't know if Tampa Bay would be considered the favorite in the NFC, but you know they're certainly one of them, and the Giants. You know, we're right there with them in the end. So, um, you know, I, I, I think, uh, you know, Washington is going to have to uh, step up. I, I think um, it's also hard because that Dallas game was just such an aberration. Dallas is such a train wreck on defense. And then, you know, the, the Danucci of the world comes in. And that's just, you know, it, it was like watching the Rams game where Washington couldn't move anything. But on the other side of the ball, right. it was just like, okay, well, I don't even know what I'm watching here. This isn't a real thing. So, um you know, it's been it, it basically since that Giants game that they had a game uh, against a you know fair opponent, I guess. Um, which again, kudos to them for take for for blowing Dallas out. I mean, that's what you, that's what you need to do if you're the superior team they were that day. But yeah, like I said, if they can limit turnovers, um, and and look, the defensive line, you know, d- does what they do. This is the first game without Landon Collins. We'll we'll see. You know, Cameron Curl's getting back there. I imagine the Giants are going to think to themselves, "Whoa, this is a seventh round rookie." This is somebody we want to go after. How does Washington prevent that? They do so in part by um, getting after Daniel Jones and putting him in bad positions so he can't just pick on anybody he wants. And also, hopefully, you you force some turnovers at him. Well, changing gears a little bit since we're on the election by hangover, what do you think about Rivera's strategy moving forward for the second half of the season? Um, is he making that playoff push? Is he looking at guys for, uh, for next season? Because... From my standpoint, if you're looking at the Kerrigan trade, he didn't make that to get a potential draft pick. Kerrigan's going to be gone next year, so he didn't get anything out of that deal. He didn't get a safety where he had the potential opportunity to get Eric Reed for that playoff push to for a now situation. What's the, what's his strategy? Is he looking to the future? Is he looking to now? He's using a stopgap to, in my opinion, quarterback. What's he doing? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I think he's trying to walk the line of he wants to see what he has on this team, particularly with the young players. He made, he made that when he talked about the Eric Reed situation the other day that he said, Hey, I, I don't, we asked Eric Reed to come in. I wanted to get a look at him with, you know, on the practice squad, just to see kind of where he's at. But simultaneously, I want to see what Cameron Curl can do and Jeremy Reeves can do. These are young guys that, you know, he hasn't said that the the starters in my sort of senses, I don't know if they even view Cameron Curl as a guy who could be the long-term starter, but they want to see what they can do. Yes. He is also talking about winning the division, but I think if you can go out and get a player who's under contract for more than just this year, to my opinion, and Rivera has said this himself, that's something you consider, but for a rental, this is team is in no position to trade any pick away to get some immediate help for nine games. I don't right. think that you know if they were five and two instead of two and five, you know maybe we have a different conversation. But that's not where things are at. So you know he's trying to walk that line between being helpful uh, for this season, but also not in any way, shape, or form taking away from their future. So you know, uh, look, we'll see what happens. I mean, you know, as I said before, it, it would it wouldn't shock me if the Giants look at Curl and think, okay, what can we take advantage of here with the guy who is uh, you know going to be relatively new to this position. Um, and, you know, Washington still has issues, a receiver beyond McLaurin. There's definitely things they could use, but I'm, I'm okay with the approach they went with. As far as, like, the Kerrigan thing goes, I, I think that's sort of a 50-50 call. I get why you don't want to just send him off. I think my bigger issue is that, it's, from what I was told, that they just basically told teams don't even bother, um, and I think that was even beyond Ron Rivera. So 
you know, I, that to me is a, is, a, is a bit of a mistake. You should look at ex- explore anybody who's not going to be on this team next year to me should have been considered for a trade. Now there weren't a ton of guys that other people wanted. That's a different story, but like the idea, like, and I believe the teams were interested in Kerrigan that that doesn't, they just maybe didn't call to offer, officially offer a trade because you know, if the girl says, Hey, I'm washing my hair for the next week, maybe you don't call her and see if she wants to go to the movies, right. you know? So <laughs> yeah. um, I just feel like Noel I, can totally relate to that. <laughs> I just feel like it's mixed signals. You know, it's either you are, or you aren't. And I understand, like you said, walking that fine line, but you know, you have a stopgap quarterback like Kyle Allen. For example, the Miami Dolphins, they put Tua in when Fitzpatrick was playing well because they needed to know what they had. And in some positions, they're playing guys to be competitive. And in other positions, they're playing guys to see what they have moving forward. So it's just, for me, it's just kind of really a, a big mixed signal there. And I'm not sure what the strategy is. So that was just my take on it. Um, this isn't pushback. I'm just trying to think, who are the guys that you think are playing that are playing to be competitive now as opposed to the other. I'm just trying to... Um, competitive now versus the other. Well, for example, the Kerrigan situation, there was no money in keeping him at this point. They could have gotten... Let's say they got a fourth-round draft pick for him, for example, or a fifth-round draft pick. If you're looking towards the future there, the Kyle Allen situation, he's a stopgap guy. There's no money in it. Haskins, for example, in comparison to the Tua situation, could have potentially been playing to see what you have and to see if you have to go out and draft another quarterback versus putting in a stopgap guy. On top of that, the Eric Reed situation, I don't see how it's different than, you know, for instance, having Cameron Curl play. You don't know what he's going to do. He's played a very small percentage of the, of the snaps and you want to see what he can do. But at the same time, it's a double standard. You know, no, now actually we want to play Kyle Allen because of that. And I don't really understand the reasoning behind it. Like, why not bring Eric Reed in? Maybe he doesn't have to start, but at the very least, and I know they tried to, but he didn't like the practice squad term or whatever the case may be. But I feel like there are a lot of double standards when it comes to this team. When it comes to the quarterback, he doesn't have enough experience. He can't play, but yet he's playing all these other guys who are inexperienced that we could have had other guys that were veterans come in. Eric Reed, for example. So... I find that kind of strange, but that's just me. So it's a, it's an interesting situation, right? These guys, meaning people like Ron Rivera, these coaches, part of their job is to they have to answer questions. He doesn't necessarily mm-hmm. want to answer questions. I'm not, I'm, I, mean, <laughs> right. I mean, Ron is definitely media friendly, but I'm just meaning he has to, right? So we ask questions like, well, why aren't you playing Dwayne Haskins? He has to say something. Is he gonna mm-hmm. is he gonna say something that's um, hopeful that he can uh, something that's he, he hopes the player can can take from it and maybe he doesn't crush the player or does he tell you the honest truth now uh, what i'm not saying that his honest truth is dwayne haskins is terrible and i don't want him here but <laughs> right. but, but simultaneous you know look at the actions he, he gave an interview with rich eisen tuesday i wrote about this on the athletic along with some other things this week about kind of what we've learned through seven games and his and one question was something like what's your what's your level of belief in dwayne haskins right now the logical you would imagine some sort of coach be like speech like hey you know I said when we benched him, we still believe in Dwayne. We want to, uh, you know, see what he can do. But right now, we wanted to, you know, uh, go with a guy who had more experience. He did say some of that. He also said, "Well, my level of belief in his is probably around a 70. And then he also said that we we had him. I had him running with the ones for 11 weeks. He spec- he's making this clear to the people who just keep saying, "Why are you doing only after four games?" He's like, "Well, no." He was also there for training camp. And I think the point, the difference between Haskins and other players, it's not, a, I don't think it's a double standard because he's viewing it from a point of view as 
is this player, I'm not talking about better or worse, is this player trying, is this player doing what I need them to do? Does he understand what it takes to get this job done? There's going to be mistakes. There's going to be up and downs. But, you know, do we see or do we see reason that we want to keep moving forward? And they've decided at this point and likely I would imagine going forward that Dwayne Haskins is not somebody that they view as, um, as that they need to be part of, uh, or I shouldn't say need to be part of, that they don't view him as somebody who is um, doing everything maybe necessary to get the job done, that there's a lot of um, concern with, with there. And it's obviously a very important position. And also, you know, going from Eric Reed to Cam Curl, just as an example, doesn't really, whatever Eric Reed is or isn't, doesn't really completely change the dynamic of the whole defense. The quarterback obviously changes everything. And right. after the last two games, it seems pretty obvious to me that their offense is substantially better with Kyle Allen in there. Stop yeah. gap or not, you also need to see what everybody else can do. And we, you know, if, if he can put everybody else in a better position to succeed, that's a win for this offense, for Scott Turner, for Ron Rivera, the players. And I think that's part of it. So I, I don't think it's, um, I, I don't think it's a double standard in that in that sense. Um, and by the way, the Eric Reed thing, I think this is a, in my opinion, from the outside, I think it's, a, it's an Eric Reed ego thing. A lot of veteran yeah. guys are, are doing the the practice squad because it's very different this year than normal. You can't just bring a guy in for a workout the way you did back in the, uh, last year. They're basically saying, "Look, come in. We'll just see what shape you're in. If you're in good shape, likely you'll probably go play." But he didn't want to do it, and you know, I think it's, uh, it's they also have com- shows. They also have confidence in in Curl and Reeves and and and, and Everett to see you know what those guys can do. Well, I, uh, one thing I did want to say is is that you know Rivera did say Haskins was going to get opportunities. I'm just wondering if that's it'll most likely not be with Washington, maybe the XFL. Well, there's another Ohio State quarterback in uh, D.C., right? (laughs) Right. I mean, I will say that, like, you know, I'm I'm not necessarily somebody going that Dwayne Haskins was hosed and and should be playing. But at the same time, I don't get why you would necessarily have Alex Smith as the backup going forward. Now, look, if if Washington is in a position to really be competing for the playoffs, then maybe there's some logic in uh, in having a veteran like Alex Smith again. I don't. Well, he's a whole other story about where he's at. But um, but at some point, logically, if if things just you know whatever they're kind of sputtering, it seems like having Dwayne at least even be the backup has merit. If you actually believe that he is part of your future, I don't necessarily know if I believe that they believe that. No. Agreed. Agree. Well, thank you, Ben, so much for coming on. It went over, of course. I tried not to. It's all Noel's fault. It's my so. fault. It's my fault. I told you. Small I did, do- I did I the wrap up. I, I did the wrap up like doses, 20 minutes. Ben. I told you small doses. <laughs> He's like, yeah, they'll be even smaller now. But uh, remember uh, to follow Ben at Ben Standig on Twitter. Read his coverage on the Washington football team at theathletic.com. Also check out his podcast, Standing Room Only, on all major podcast platforms. Uh, anything else? Am I missing anything, Ben? You're all over the place, you know? I, I am. Um... <laughs> I, I'm, I'm running out of coffee, and I feel like I need a lot this week. I'm, I'm, I'm not sleeping a lot. So, uh, send, send, if, if you got any coffee out there, or tell, tell, tell me to get some. I'm like, I'm like on a kind of over Starbucks right now. So, if you got a recommendation, tell me where to go. I'll yeah. see what I can do. Right, got a nice Keurig machine over here. Yeah, yeah. Like for, for that election, man. I, I went to sleep at 3 a.m. on Tuesday night. Woke up at 7. Just nightmares all night about it. I was like, I, I haven't gotten much sleep either, but a, that's par for the course of my life. I have a Keurig machine too, but it just—it's not—it's not a lot. It, it just—it's—it's not—it's not the same size I'd be getting if I went to Starbucks or Seven Eleven. I'm not talking maybe an Avente, just like a medium. So that's my put in two. Put in two. Yeah, yeah. Work. I mean, you know. I need that. I need that jug, automatic jug. You know, boom, and then I can hit it. I don't. I don't have. Noel's an to be espresso guy. I'm an espresso an, guy. Yeah. I use the old school little. 
the metal container thing you put on top of the, on top of the stove. So yeah. you don't want to talk to me about modern stuff. Nice. All right, babe. Well, well, go ahead and do your thing. Thanks again for everything. And uh, we will talk down the road. Okay. Awesome guys. Thanks for having me. All right. That's going to do it for this episode. We're on all major podcast platforms. Please rate review and subscribe. If you like this show, please share it on social media. Again, please follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and the Facebook group, and also the website at beltwaysportsroads.com. Hope you guys enjoy the game, and we will see you on Tuesday, not Monday. See you then.